when I'm taking someone's photograph, I want to make sure that I am highlighting them as a person and not just the circumstance that they find themselves in, in this phase of their life, that they are honored and dignified and that I hold their story really well because it's, it's not mine, it's theirs. Welcome to Bittersweet Reflections, a six-part audio series where Bittersweet contributors reflect on memorable stories. I'm Robert Winship. In this episode of Reflections, we talk to Erica Baker, a documentary photographer who looks back on a story about the Morningstar Foundation. Erica Baker is an independent documentary and commercial photographer who primarily works with nonprofit organizations, social enterprises, and corporations doing good. She is also a contributor to Bittersweet Monthly. Erica, welcome. Thanks, Robert. I'm so happy to be here. I want to start by asking what I've asked each other contributor, which is how do you describe your work with Bittersweet to others? Sure. Yeah. When I'm talking to other people about Bittersweet uh, and my work specifically, uh, I am a photographer. So I contribute my time, talent, and resources as a photographer um, to different, a few different stories each year. Um, and these stories being about different nonprofit organizations all over the world. You do other work with nonprofits and organizations, you know, kind of doing good, as you say. Why do you spend your time working with Bittersweet specifically? So I had the amazing privilege of hearing about Bittersweet Monthly directly from Kate uh, many years ago. Kate is the founder of Bittersweet. And at the time it was a imprint magazine called Bittersweet Zine. And uh, she described this project she was working on and how she was uh, tapping artists and creatives and writers to tell the stories of uh, nonprofit organizations. And I just immediately connected with the idea and with the concept. I really actually didn't study photography in school. My background was in international studies and peace and reconciliation. And so I always thought I would actually work for a nonprofit organization uh, as a career. That was always the goal and kind of fell into photography somewhere between college and starting my career and quickly realized how much NGOs and nonprofits need photographers. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of how I got started was as much as I love photography, it was my first love was for nonprofits and NGOs. When I found Bittersweet Monthly, it was kind of the marriage of these two passions of mine. Like if you could take, imagine two circles drawn in a Venn diagram, I feel like Bittersweet Monthly is just like in that perfect center part of the Venn diagram of what I'm passionate about and also what I do for my work. It just appealed to me from the start and I have loved every minute of it over the past, I guess it's been seven years now that I've been working with Bittersweet Monthly. Wow. Yeah. You've done quite a few stories as a photographer. Yes. I think 17, 18, something along those lines. Yeah. With since my first story back in 2013 until now. This series is titled Reflections and each guest is asked to select a story that they were a contributor to. Erica, you picked The Strongest Little Beats in Beijing, which focuses on the Morningstar Foundation. Morningstar Foundation is a global nonprofit organization that helps families with severe heart disease in children get life-saving medical treatments. Their work is centered in the areas of Jordan, Uganda, and China. 
where this particular story took place. So for this story, can you just briefly describe what this is about and, uh, and maybe tell me why you were interested in contributing to it? So Morningstar Foundation uh, has a home in Beijing called their baby home. It's essentially a foster home for children who have uh, complex cardiac defects who were coming out of Chinese orphanages. And the Chinese government actually contacts Morningstar Foundation and asks them to take on some of their most severe cases. And then Morningstar uh, raises funds to pay for the children to be able to have surgery, like most of the time it's life-saving surgery. And then they also provide the children with just the loving care of an IE, who is essentially their foster mom in the home until they're uh, eventually placed with their adoptive family. I'm always drawn most to stories that address the root of an issue or a problem. And hmm. Morningstar Foundation, for me, just immediately stood out to me that they were not just addressing the orphan crisis in the world. They were looking for the root problems. They were looking for why are there so many children and orphanages in these countries uh, specifically. Uh, and in this instance, we were in China. So why is there a crisis? And before I started working on the story, I assumed what I think most Americans assume is that the root of the orphan crisis in China is just completely coming from the one child policy. Hmm. And obviously that's part of it, but that ended several years ago. So the bigger problem is the affordability of having children, um, especially children who uh, have severe medical issues or disabilities. So many Chinese parents are given the impossible choice of either trying to care for their child without having the resources or the funds to pay for surgeries in cash, which is the way that the Chinese medical system works, or they can abandon their child on a street corner or at a government building in hopes that the Chinese government would be able to care for their child. I can't, I personally can't imagine being put in that position. Um, it's just an impossible situation for a parent and working on the story really gave me a whole new empathy and appreciation and um, just sorrow for the parents uh, of, of all these children in Chinese institutions and orphanages. Uh, whereas I think the narrative I'd always heard before was, you know, how could these parents abandon their children? That really flipped for me to, wow, what a heavy and impossible choice. Uh, they must have really loved their children to try to give them another chance. I guess that narrative was really compelling to me. And so that was a big reason that I decided to contribute to the Morningstar Foundation story. So as a photographer, what was your approach to this story? Uh, from the get-go, I knew I'd be working with children. And uh, that's something that I, I do love, but also can uh, present, present challenges. So <laughs> if you were to look at my work, you'd see that I've, I've taken several different approaches. I've, we've done everything from recreating someone's story with actors to um, portraiture with strobes and different lights to documentary photojournalism. Um, and this story to me just lent itself perfectly to of a more photojournalistic approach. Uh, so right from the moment that we arrived at the home, I really tried to just be a fly on the wall and watch. And one of the great things about kids is 
that they're really great at ignoring you. And uh, they, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously I was still there. I was obviously the white American woman in the room, but I tried to stay as outside of every situation as I could and just observe and photograph everything that was happening in the home while just watching um, each of the kids be cared for. And then also uh, going along to the hospital and observing with um, the amazing physicians and nurses who work with Morningstar Foundation and just seeing what the day-to-day life for these children looks like in this stage when they're in the foster home with Morningstar. When you think about putting together a story like this, and, and with most of these bittersweet stories, there are at least two or three different contributors, the story can change from the initial pitch through to that final asset, if you will. How did this story change for you from, forgive me, but conception to delivery? Yes, I think, as I was saying before, the what I thought about China and the orphan crisis there at the beginning of this whole process of telling the story was just so drastically different than how I felt or thought about it. Um, at the end when we hit publish on the story. Um, And that Mm -hmm. was through different books that I read in preparation for this trip and for the story. And then also, obviously, there's just something so powerful about actually meeting the children and meeting the foster parents and meeting the adoptive parents who are part of this issue of the orphan crisis Mm -hmm. in China. Um, And so just meeting them personally and getting to know their story completely changed everything I knew about the issue as well. Um, and which is a huge reason that I do what I do is that, um, I really believe that getting to know people personally and getting to know individual stories really changes the way that you think about larger issues that people are no longer statistics or just numbers, but they're living, breathing people. And I absolutely loved working with the other people on, on my team. Jessica was, is an incredible writer. She just told the story so beautifully, just wove it together. And then Dave uh, did an amazing job with the video. And there's something just so powerful about words, but I also really believe that there's something just irreplaceable about looking into another person's eyes. And I, and just the way that we, that's just the way we connect as humans. And so as a photographer, I'm always conscious of that. Um, so when you, I, my hope is that after you've looked at the story and you've seen the images and you've read what Jessica wrote, that now when you think of, um, the orphan crisis in China, or when you think of adopting children with special needs, that you'll specifically think of these, these children and their faces and their eyes so that you'll, you'll, that they'll sit with you. That I guess that's my goal um, is for you to be able to look directly in their eyes um, and and see them. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, that actually you know gets it at some of the themes that you approach in your work as a photographer mm-hmm. with kids. I like how you said that they're not really they don't change in front of the camera the way someone who's older and might be a little bit more performative or, or see mm-hmm. themselves in a different way. Kids treat the camera the way they would any amount of attention, which is they love it. And they're constantly <laughs> taking in information about it. So even better when you're trying to kind of capture their eyes and that, you know, that, that sort of wonder and being educated about the world just by taking it all in. That's yes. a beautiful, a beautiful sentiment. 
Is there ever, especially in this situation with, you know, very young children and and babies Mm -hmm. and and talking about the issue of, you know, potentially abandonment or or Mm -hmm. very difficult financial issues, does that present an emotional challenge for you as a photographer, for you as a person? Whenever I'm working with children, I'm always really aware and mindful of the fact that they um, are obviously completely unaware of what I'm doing there. I'm always trying to kind of walk and balance the fact that I want to tell the truth and show that they are, that their medical complications are severe and that they're in a vulnerable position, that they need help. But I'm also want to make sure that they're portrayed with dignity and that their story is honored. I would love for 25-year-old Oliver to go back and look at this story and could read it and feel that his story was honored and feel that his, the images of him, that he's not embarrassed in any way or that he feels that we violated his privacy. I'm, re- I'm always trying to think of 25-year-old Oliver or of Oliver's birth mom or of Oliver's uh, future adoptive mother. If everyone could, could they all look at these images and would they all feel that they were dignifying and telling the truth? You said that you have done other or you have contributed to other pieces or you photographed in situations where it was staged. Yeah. Do you prefer shooting more documentary style or fictionalized or staged? If I have a choice, I typically prefer to work with um, the actual individuals whose story that we're telling. As much as it can be difficult as a photographer to try to navigate the line between exploiting someone and telling their story with, with dignity and honor, I care about that so deeply that it can be you know stressful for me to walk that line sometimes. One theme I've talked about with with other contributors, and I, I feel like is is very relevant, especially based on what you've said, is empowerment as it relates to especially the subjects of each of these bittersweet stories, in as much as the writers and the filmmakers and photographers who cover them. What does the word empower mean to you? The word empower as it relates to photography and storytelling to me really means who in a situation is holding the most power. Um, and in the instance of photography and photographing individuals who have uh, been part of a work of a nonprofit, I really want to make sure that they're the ones that hold the most power in these situations. So you feel like the, the word empowerment and, and even to kind of approach that, you have to know who holds power in the situation or in this story coming in. And and it, if I understand you correctly, it feels like maybe you as the storyteller, the assumption might be that you have that power because you control the narrative, right? Right. And so I, as a photographer, as a storyteller, I'm very aware that there have been a lot of circumstances where people have been taken advantage of or exploited all in the name of storytelling or fundraising for NGOs or nonprofits or for good causes. And so that's obviously not at all what we want to do here. That's, we want to do the exact opposite. 
whosever story that we're telling, I want to make sure that they feel that they had complete buy-in, that they knew exactly where their story was going. And not only that they knew where it was going or what was happening with their story, but that they were excited about it. And they felt like they were also contributing to this to Bittersweet Monthly in a way that their story was honored, that they, that I hope that they go and read, read that issue and that they're just so excited about what we all created together. And to me, like that's true empowerment is when we're all, when we're all contributing in a way to the story. Do you ever keep up with the subjects of these stories or, or stay in correspondence, see them again? Mm-hmm. So something that's been really fun about Morningstar Foundation is that the children who I met uh, in the baby home, many of them were actually adopted several months after we visited uh, to, to the States. And so one of them is actually local to DC and the DC area. And I haven't gotten to see him yet, but it was funny. I actually crazy enough knew his adoptive father through a uh, corporate photography. I photographed for his company. So that was uh, a crazy coincidence. Um, so I now follow a lot of these kids on social media and I see uh, their new lives here um, with their new forever families and their adoptive siblings. And it's kind of fun to see where they've ended up. And also one of the little boys who I met there, Toby, he was adopted uh, a few months after we were in Beijing uh, to Nashville, Tennessee. And I've been following along through social media with his story and his um, health declined severely after one of his uh, heart surgeries. Uh, and there's been several times where they thought they were going to lose him. Um, but he just keeps pulling through. He's such a fighter. And I just, yeah, I'm you know a little attached to all of these kids after having seen them. And it's just, I don't know, following their story arc over years, I um, have actually considered, I'm interested to continue photographing them because as I was saying before, I'm really drawn to the women who have cared for them at these different phases of their lives and have been, um, I've to have met their IEs who cared for them in the foster home. And then I would love to go and meet their adoptive mothers now too. Um, and just be able to see where they end up and then also follow along in their health journeys, um, as well as they just continue to pursue uh, whole hearts. You could start a uh, bittersweets kind of like, uh, you know, the seven up series of films every seven years, they track these, these different, I mean, now they're like in their sixties, bittersweet could have a, a long-term study of some of the different subjects. Yeah. Right. Certainly not, not, not at all a costly <laughs> endeavor. Yeah, right. Well, this, yeah, bittersweet, bittersweet decade. And we'll just go every decade and follow the kids. That's yeah. true. Uh, certainly a lot of interesting subjects that have come up. That's, uh, yeah, that's interesting that you now know the adoptive father of, of one of these kids. Yes. And, and you sort of are still following a story that you, you had a, a small part in, but, but lives on as the greater story of, of someone's life. Yeah. And then the other funny thing is we worked so hard to, you know, try to keep the kids' privacy and then um, by using pseudonyms and then, um, cause that, that Meredith, the, um, Morningstar director at the time gave them and uh, just for social media and for fundraising purposes. And then several of their adopted families 
like liked the names and they kept them. So now they're actually their legal names. So they're no longer pseudonyms. But we tried. Uh, <laughs> they, Life they imitates they were art. Not, yeah, they were not their legal names at the time that the story was published. But they are some. Some of them uh, actually have. They are their legal names now. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you had planned in your professional life to work with nonprofits, not necessarily as a photographer. Do you take that as a kind of inside baseball when you come into these uh, situations, kind of knowing how the gears of nonprofit work? Yeah, I think going in to stories or working with NGOs and nonprofits, I immediately connect really well with the people who are working with the organization. And I just think they're all incredible. Yeah, whenever I'm photographing them or telling their stories too, because it's not always just the um, participants or the recipients of the organizations that uh, we're telling stories about. It's often the people who work there or work with the organizations as well. And they're just, so many of them are just everyday heroes. And I, I know that sounds kitschy or something, but they, as someone who's just passionate about NGO nonprofit work and as someone who thought that's, the career I was going to have. I think that um, it's a whole other dimension to why I love working with Bittersweet or why I think that this kind of storytelling matters because as far as which stories get elevated in our world, it's definitely not the stories of the Chinese foster mom who is living in a foster home with eight to 10 babies away from her family, away from her own life to care for them. It's not, you know, we're not elevating those stories. That's another aspect that I really love about Bittersweet is that we're um, just highlighting some of the best of humanity. Like, I guess if we were going to give it like an award somewhere, like the best of humanity, I think that individuals who work with nonprofits whether they're aftercare workers or foster parents or um, counselors or what have you, I think that they're just just incredible and they should be more celebrated. So I'm happy that we get to celebrate them a little bit in each of these publications or in each of these stories. It sounds like working with nonprofits or NGOs is, uh, it sounds like it's energizing for you. Absolutely. Yes. I can't tell tell you how many times that someone who works day in and day out at an, an NGO, um, just how they're usually so camera shy because they're never in front of the camera. They're never, people aren't asking them questions. Um, they're not being celebrated in that way. Um, and so it's just fun for me to be able to, uh, take a, take a really nice portrait of them and show it to them and yeah, just let them feel appreciated because you know, there, it's a really, it's often a thankless job or just a job where, um, yeah, just, just so underappreciated, uh, people who care for the most vulnerable in society. Well, um, and I think that sounds like that, that kind of goes back to the question I, I had asked about, uh, empowering, right. You're, mm-hmm. you're shining a light on, on people who, maybe working kind of thankless jobs that require them to care a lot and often 
about something that is important. Absolutely. What is the relevance of of the strongest little beats in Beijing? What is the relevance of Morningstar Foundation right now? Yeah, I think as a, a world and as a country, we're talking a lot right now about um, obviously about healthcare um, and all of the problems that we have there, um, and how so many people are slipping through the cracks. Um, how can we do better? How can people not be put in a position where they're forced to pay for a life-saving surgery for their, their child in cash that they don't have. Uh, I think that we're um, in a place in our society, in our country, in our world, where we're, where we're really faced with the fact that we need to, that healthcare needs to change and that um, no, no parent should have to be put in that position that they're wondering whether or not they can save their child's life um, simply over money. That's just unacceptable on every level. So I think that's a conversation that's really at the forefront of everyone's mind um, uh, in our current situation. Someone once pointed out to me that you, that we use the word take for photographs. We don't say make like you do other art and it's because we're, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of taking something from someone, you're right. You're, you're using, or I'm not making this out of thin air. Like you're participating. I'm taking your image. Right. And so, um, I guess when I'm taking someone's photograph, I want to make sure that I am highlighting them as a person and not just the circumstance that they find themselves in, in this phase of their life, that they are honored and dignified and that I hold their story really well. Cause it's, it's not mine it's theirs and it's not the organizations either and it's not bittersweets uh, it's their story and so i i just i don't take that responsibility lightly at all it's i i hold that really it, it, it weighs heavily on me as i'm walking around taking photographs for each of these stories yeah i i, I hope that when people look back at their photographs or when they see them that they, that they, that they feel that, um, or that when someone looks at the stories uh, or anyone reads a story that they, that they see that, um, that I truly tried to be honoring in every way that I could. Thank you so much for your time, Erica. Absolutely. It was, it was a lot of fun, Robert. Thank you. I encourage listeners to read this story at bittersweetmonthly.com slash stories. It was originally published in June of 2018. And you can see more from our guest, Erica Baker, at ericabakerphoto.com. <laughs>